You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iyer. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Come to sign out, we have the fallout of the Sunday action, including the Bills' beatdown of the Chiefs there on Sunday Night Football, a big fantasy football game there for a lot of the Bills, not so much for your main Chiefs guys except for Travis Kelsey, so... A lot of stuff to digest and dissect there from the action. We'll dive into that. Here we'll look at all 14 games and things that happened there. And uh, tomorrow we'll continue our week with Pickup Tuesday looking at the waiver wire. Then we'll go around and uh, do our matchup Wednesday, matchup Thursday. uh, Two shots there to break down all the games upcoming. And then circle back to DFS with DraftKings and FanDuel. The picks you need to make there on lineup Friday. So... Another week, Locked on Fantasy Football. Can't wait to dive into what we saw, the good, the bad, the disappointing, the surprising there from Sunday's action. We'll do that here in a moment. Thanks so much for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available for you on all platforms. All right, so we had a London game early morning there. Hopefully you set your lineups in time to get the best out of your players. Mainly it was the Falcons side of things here, so... Falcons win the game 27-20 here. No Calvin Ridley. He was ruled out before the game. Russell Gage missed yet another game here at wide receiver. So good opportunity for Kyle Pitts to get going. The Jets better against cornerbacks and uh, wide receivers and covering the slot and all that. Well, Kyle Pitts was a matchup nightmare for the Jets. That's where they're weak in the middle of the field. They don't have Marcus May at safety. So pretty thin there. So Kyle Pitts, breakout game. This was... An ideal spot for it. Came through, went over 100 yards, first NFL touchdown after he scored a lot in Florida. This is just surprising. It took him until week five, but he gets it done. Hayden Hurst also finds the end zone here for Matt Ryan. So Matt Ryan using his tight ends well here without his main man, Calvin Ridley. He also had the running backs look really good. We like Mike Davis and Cordell Patterson. Patterson, of course, a hybrid there. So... Wide receiver and a running back producing at the same time. But the beat beat went on there for the Falcons. I think they figured out the groove of their offense. But good opportunity for Pitts. He didn't waste it without Ridley. And I think they can make this Davis-Patterson thing work. Davis has been a lot better here the last couple weeks. Getting involved, scoring touchdowns, getting the key touches. So Falcons just need a little bit of back and forth or positive game script, which they had in this one, to, to get Davis on the field a little bit more. There, that's what happened. And the Falcons' defense playing a little bit better also helps. So, Falcons do have a bye this week, so we expect Calvin Ridley to be back, Gage to be back after that break here in Week 6. But uh, good developments here overall for the Falcons' offense, for the main uh, guys getting going here. And Pitts, I think he's turned a corner. He's been looking good every week, but now that connection is finally uh, heated up well here with Matt Ryan. On the Jets' side of things, Zach Wilson and Corey Davis, we thought they would do a little bit more in this game, but credit the Falcons secondary, they played pretty well. But Michael Carter looks very valuable as a flex every week here. 
he's getting the key touches. That's the thing is that it's not pretty. You're not getting high volume there. But if you're looking for a flex play, he is a back that's getting goal line work. He's getting double digit carries. He's being involved in the passing game. They used Ty Johnson a little, but Tevin Coleman's kind of been faded. So giving him all the opportunities, they're only going to expand here for him. Again, a bye week for them coming off this London game. But yeah, look for some adjustments there. But I would expect Carter to be more in a feature role going forward here for the Jets. But good effort there. Carter scores in the second straight week. Uh, just missed a few other uh, passing touchdowns there for Zach Wilson. So a little bit disappointing there, but uh, Carter looks like the rookie that we're going to zone in on and have uh, some value from that New York offense. We go to the 1 p.m. Eastern time window from that early kickoff across the pond involving another green team here. That would be the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. He wasn't pretty against the Panthers. We thought, what's going on here? He's not running. They're not getting any players uh, downfield. They had a touchdown called back because of a bad a little pick play <coughs> near the goal line. So when you look at that, Jalen Hurts was disappointing for a long time, but then they kicked him in the gear. Hurts gets two rushing touchdowns. He gets a two-point play there. He looked really good once they let him loose. And he realized, look, the traditional running game is not helping me too much with Miles Sanders. They want to put a lot on me. Let me spread the ball around. Let me take over this game. And that's what he did. And he put up a very decent uh, QB1 day for you in the end. And the rushing is always going to be there. The yardage, the potential to score. He took it himself twice. So good rebound by Hertz. Now we want to trust Miles Sanders or Kenneth Gainwell. It's getting real difficult. Dallas Goddard's also been a disappointment as well. This was a pretty good matchup for him. He actually dropped a wide open touchdown in the game. So that was uh, also uh, concerning there with him. So he's had some issues, but Devonta Smith looking really good here with Jalen Hurts. That connection is really reheated from their time at Alabama. So Hurts and Smith, I think they're going to get better. This week it's the Buccaneers, so great matchup for everything that Eagles uh, offense, uh, passing game for sure, the back end issues. So Hurts to Smith should continue to deliver here against Tampa, much what, like we said, Jacoby Brissett. We'll talk about that game here in a bit. But yeah, look, looking at Hurts, uh, he's locked in. He starts every week just because he has a high floor. And uh, even on an off day, he can produce like that. That's what we saw. So getting excited about Smith and Hurts. And uh, Smith being consistently a reliable wide receiver three as much as possible going forward. And uh, really not much else in that passing game. So given there's not a lot, Hurts is still producing rather well for you in fantasy football. On the Panthers side of things, Sam Darnold had turnover issues. DJ Moore got cooled off. They kind of keyed in on Moore. He really had trouble getting the ball to anyone else. They went to a run-heavy kind of shell Game plan, part of the Eagles play two high safeties. So there's a lot of running room against the Eagles. It's always available. But, uh, yeah, Darnold, not a good game. They contained more. Darius Slay was a thorn in his side with the interceptions in this one. So remember, it's Sam Darnold. There's a reason he's Sam Darnold, and he can fall back to earth. The rushing touchdowns are due for regression. We saw that. Hurts is more of the running quarterback, and we saw that develop in this game. So... Yeah, if Darnold's not scoring on the ground and the passing is a struggle and he's had a lot of turnovers, he's not starting to fantasy. Chuba Hubbard looked really good. He had a 100-yard game. So this Panthers run blocking is solid for whoever's in. That we'd expect Christian McCaffrey to be in the game this week against the Vikings. He was rather close to playing, limited uh, with his hamstring all week. So we'd expect him to get full practices, be on track to play. But again, it shows you proper handcuffing is important. Hubbard didn't really come through. In his first opportunity last week against the Cowboys, the game script was out of hand and he was a little bit out of sorts, but they stayed in this game, had the lead most of the time. 
and Hubbard was very effective all, overall with a great yardage day. Here, didn't have the touchdown, but uh, again, the Panthers, a team that can be a little bit fickle offensively until CMC gets back, and I think that's going to happen here against the Vikings. We'll stick with another green team on the road. It's the Packers, and they were in Cincinnati. They win. Wild finish in overtime. Multiple field goal winning tries there for Mason Crosby. We had Evan McPherson on the other side that couldn't quite connect, so the Packers survive and win in overtime. It was the Devontae Adams show. Now, we're wondering, when are they going to get more guys involved? We're going to see more of Alan Lazard at some point with Marcus valdez killing on IR with a hamstring. Randall Cobb, does he stay involved? No, it was Devontae Adams and more Devontae Adams this game. 200-plus receiving yards in this one. One of the best matchups of the entire week. He took full advantage of that there for uh, Rodgers. So, yeah, it's going to be more of Devontae. It's not going to be suddenly looking at Robert Tunyon to make things happen here. So we don't always have to have a number one, number two guy when the number one is so dominant. And you have to keep in mind, really, the number two is Aaron Jones. And it could be uh, argued that A.J. Dillon is now the number three weapon on this team. They're getting involved. I know Jones has been banged up with an ankle injury the past few weeks. That, I think, represents why they're using Dillon more. But I think they want Dillon more because that's the bread and their offense. They're trying to protect their defense a little bit more. Now without Jair Alexander, without Zadarius Smith. So that's part of uh, the Packers' game plan. So they're keeping it simple, force-feeding Adams, force-feeding Jones, giving Dylan an opportunity there. So, again, it's really hard to trust another wide receiver tight end to put in there for the Packers because they could completely disappear from the game plan, and it's week-to-week with them, and we saw that play out with Cobb this week. Now the Bengals, uh, let's hope Joe Burrow's okay. He had a scary moment we got hit there on the sidelines. Uh, later, he had to go to the hospital to check out a throat contusion. He says he'll be okay to play, but we'll monitor that. That's a bit of a scary injury. They're playing the Lions, so something to watch because Joe Burrow could uh, really pick apart the Lions here in week six. So hopefully he's okay. We know one guy that's okay is Jamar Chase. He just makes big play after big play. Had an off game against the Jaguars. Didn't get that home run ball, but he got it here against the Packers with no Alexander. Pretty predictable there. He's going to go. T. Higgins a little quiet in his return from the shoulder injury. Tyler Boyd, being Tyler Boyd, working in the middle of the field, as usual. But Chase clearly is the number one, locked in with Burrow. If the secondary is going to be weak and the pass rush is not going to be there, that connection is going to happen downfield. And a pleasant surprise also was Joe Mixon playing. He had the ankle injury. He was listed day-to-day. Samaji Piran gets some good touches. He catches a short touchdown pass. Mixon also gets in the end zone. So if you weren't sure and ended up playing Piran, you were okay. And uh, if you stuck with Mixon, you were okay with pretty much the same result there from your uh, Bengals running back in your lineup. So, again, proper handcuffing, again, is important. P. Ryan looks clear to be the number two behind Mixon. We saw that with Hubbard and the Panthers. They're going to produce when they get opportunities. If the system and the blocking is good and the Bengals have all that in their legitimate passing game to bounce off that. So, Jamar Chase keeps it going. He's a wide receiver one to me every week at this point. He's graduated up there. Mixon is a solid RB2. Hopefully he'll be a little bit healthier this week to take on the Lions in another smash spot for this Bengals offense, assuming Joe Burrow plays. All right, the next game we'll talk about before we take our first break, our fourth game in this first segment, the Patriots went into Houston, give up a lot of points, but they emerged victorious in the end with Mac Jones staying the course. We told you about Hunter Henry coming on and being the preferred tar- target of a Joni Smith. That was unquestionably correct. He was a leading Patriots receiver. 
in the game, and they needed him. And Hunter Henry's special talent. I think they realized he's athletic and catch passes. They've been tired about Jonah Smith being in a primary and uh, dropping some balls. So Jonah kind of in that secondary tight end role. But Hunter Henry scores again for the second consecutive week. He looks locked in. And Jacoby Myers working in the middle of the field. That's where Mac Jones is going to go. Henry and Myers can get open. Myers a good uh, yardage day and receptions day for PPR at half point. We were looking for a little bit more. Almost scored his first NFL touchdown there, but that didn't happen. Henry found the end zone, so good work there. Then Damian Harris with the injury we need to monitor here. So he was a little bit uh, roughed up going into the game. He gets hurt, couldn't finish the game. They used Brandon Bolden and the rookie Ramondre Stevenson, so it's really hard to know where they go, especially with James White not in the lineup either. That's probably where they would have gone there. But, yeah, they used the Bolden committee there. So we're not sure if you're going to trust any of the backs. Should uh, We have no Damian Harris here. Michelle, Sonny Michelle, long gone, traded. They could probably use him at this point, given all their injuries. Stevenson has had some fumbling issues there. So for the time being, I, I think it's going to be more piecemeal committee there, and that's not good, where Damian Harris is getting the key touches, where between Bolden and what they have now left, in Stevenson, I think it's going to be a bit fickle and what you're going to see the passing game open up. And this week, the game script is not going to be positive against the Cowboys. They're going to have to put it up in the air. And that, that's how you beat the Cowboys. So, again, we'll see how that plays out. But I would say Stevenson is the upside if you're going to go between Bolden or Stevenson. Who would you want to stash there? That's why they drafted him pretty high out of Oklahoma. I really liked him, too, coming out. Now, the Texans a bit fluky. David Johnson didn't look too bad, but still committee approach there. Davis Mills looked great, but you can't use Davis Mills in a tough matchup. So Chris Moore came through for the Texans, a former Raven who followed uh, David Culley here. So he made a big play for score, Chris Conley. That said, I'm still looking at Brandon Cooks and only Brandon Cooks from this Texans offense. There they play the Titans or Texans and those type of teams here, I should say, the Texans do, but they do get the Colts this week. So Pretty favorable matchup on the road, but am I going more and Conley? No, I'm going back to Cooks. There, the Patriots made it a point to take away Cooks out of the game, the former Patriot. So that's why you had these other guys involved. So credit the pivot and uh, being aggressive with Davis Mills in his best game so far as a starter. But am I interested in any of his weapons? Am I going to chase the box scores from this random game? No, I am not here and not, and not trusting anything again except Cooks in this Texans offense. They're a product of a matchup. That's why he was quiet in a big game for Mills. I think that'll uh, go back to uh, his normal level of business against Indianapolis next week. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch a game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream and brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. The best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, uh, let's uh, continue our takeaways, uh, fantasy football, from the Sunday Week 5 action. Thanks again for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are, again, free and available for you on all platforms. All right, so the Titans-Jaguars game, we talked a little bit about the 
other parts of the AFC South with the Texans playing the Colts. Well, this week uh, the Titans play the Jags, and Derrick Henry, we thought he could smash it. I played him in DFS. I told you if you want to pay up for Henry, this is a good time to do it, and I did. I got the three touchdowns, took care of business, cash game, easy money there because uh, I complimented him with a cheap back, Damian Williams, and a perfectly there great on the main slide. So Henry comes through. He's a cash game monster there for you. And uh, in season long, man, we always doubt it. And should we take Derrick Henry this high and half-point PPR, full PPR? And he just destroys it every time, not needing many like, uh, passes to be caught. Part of it is he plays in this very weak division where he preys on some of these really bad teams. So that's always going to help Henry's stats. But that's part of it. You have to think of the schedule, think about how his history of dominance is there. And so far, he's been very durable. He's proved that. We thought there could be some of that this year, but... Yeah, Derrick Henry, it was hard to decide, but uh, look at Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, when you look at the way they're producing now, it was very dif- difficult. Aaron Jones has also gotten going here, but uh, really if you took Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook ahead of Henry, that's who's hurting, I think, the most right now in fantasy football. Now, everything else, A.J. Brown came back from his hamstring, but not all that effective. Ryan Tannehill, it seems like they were very wary of giving him the ball. They worked the ball to the tight end and uh, the backs and all that, so... We'll see. A.J. Brown should be at uh, better speed here for the, this um, matchup against the Bills. Tough matchup this week for Brown. So maybe Julio Jones will get back and all the attention doesn't go on Brown. But yeah, so far right now, you're looking at uh, the most reliable and only real solid, comfortable option here with the Titans is Derrick Henry. I think we'll see A.J. Brown get there eventually, but maybe just needed one game back to get his uh, feet back under him following a couple weeks missed with the hamstring injury. All right, for the Jaguars, it's down to James Robinson. It's the James Robinson show versus the Hunter, versus the Derrick Henry show. And that's what we saw. Unfortunately, they tried to work in Carlos Hyde into the show. No, get him out of here. Key situation at the goal line for garbage points. No, it was Hyde in the game. You know, Robinson was dominating the Titans. He was running all over them. He just looks fantastic. Jaguars have become that run-heavy team. Not a surprise with Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer on their staff here. They're just not trusting Trevor Lawrence in a lot of situations. So that really hurt the wide receivers. LaVisca Cheneau Jr. and uh, Marvin Jones. Both very quiet days here. They try to incorporate Tavon Austin. The tight end was being involved a little bit more. So the Jaguars have gone for trying to be aggressive early to now going back to that conservative shell with a lot of Robinson and not much else here in that offense. But Robinson getting it done, just like Derrick Henry. The numbers are great. If you... Saw Robinson that opportunity with Travis Etienne out and saw him as an RB2. Well, right now he's operating as a clear-cut RB1 for the Jaguars. All right, let's uh, go to our next game. This is the Lions at the Vikings, and this was a disappointing game. Neither team gets to 20 points in this one. Let's start with the Lions. Uh, Yeah, it's DeAndre Swift. He got in the end zone, but there wasn't much to see there. We did see maybe a changing at wide receiver where Quintus Cephas got hurt. Amon Ross St. Brown was their leading receiver, and he looked pretty good. So we thought eventually ASB was going to be a big part of what they do, working the slot for Jared Goff, and that's kind of coming to fruition here as he's the healthiest guy. Remember, Tyrell Williams has been uh, kind of put down here in this offense. They could have kept Rashad Perryman. They moved on from him. So Amon Ross St. Brown has a big opportunity here, catching passes from Jared Goff. We liked it that he plays the position of Cooper Cup and Robert Woods on the inside. So very similar attributes to... Those players. So, Amon Ross St. Brown, sneaky pickup this week. The rookie's going to get more involved going forward. As, look, the Lions have nothing to lose. They're 0-5. Let's look at the youth movement, see what they have here for 2022. One guy that 
we love that's getting paid a lot, and it's a first-round pick that we'd like to show up, is TJ Hawkinson. What's going on here? Jared Goff was really looking good with him in the first couple games, but that connection has really dropped off badly, where Hawkinson, I know, was battling a bit of a knee injury issue in this game, so maybe that slowed him down a bit. If he's not 100%, uh, though, let's not put him out there. But he's a game-changing tight end. I think that's going to be an overcorrection there. Vikings uh, can contain that type of player, so it wasn't the best scenario. It was just an ugly defensive slugfest here, so that also didn't help Hawkinson's chances. So hopefully against Cincinnati, he can get it going. It's a tough matchup with Jesse Bates and coverage, so may not be the get-well game you're looking for at home. But yeah, this has just been pretty bad after we had the real hot stock for Hawkinson. Let's get him going again. Let's get him in the end zone. It's got to happen here soon. Uh, the Lions have to realize that. We're down wide receivers. we got to get the middle of the field working. So I think the pivot aim on Ross St. Brown is going to help Hawkinson here as well, catching passes from Jared Goff. So the rebound's around the corner. Just be patient for it here. He's just too talented a player, and I think the Lions would know that more than anyone, that they have to get him more involved here with uh, really other limitations in their offense. Now the Vikings... Uh, Let's start with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Now, Thielen was living on those touchdowns quite a bit, and he wasn't involved until very late, on, until that uh, field goal, winning game-winning drive there by the Vikings against the Lions. He was catchless. So two big plays got him to 40 yards late in the game, but he was pretty much uh, taking a backseat to Justin Jefferson. He was just dominating. They were throwing all over the field to him. Kirk Cousins is making a point to make Jefferson the number one here. That's what you saw. And uh, look, they're not able to support Tyler Conklin or K.J. Osborne consistently if they can't even support Thielen there playing off Jefferson. So Jefferson locked and loaded as a wide receiver one every week. Thielen really needs the touchdowns to uh, come in that direction, and they'll come again here. They get the Panthers this week. That's an interesting matchup. We'll see if he can work the slot, but I would expect Thielen goes back to find the end zone. But Jefferson is not going to go away as the key primary target here for Cousins. And we once again saw handcuff your backs. Alexander Madison, big game, even with the late fumble that uh, brought the Lions back in the game with a chance to win it there late. So, again, it handcuff your backs. Alexander Madison looks good. I don't know if that will keep them from rushing here. Dalvin Cook back into action there with the ankle. The fumble almost cost them the game. If that had happened, maybe they'd uh, want to expedite Cook's return here. They do get the Panthers this week, so it's a team you can run on. The Eagles didn't choose to do it as well, so... Let's hope uh, Cook can return if you've got Cook. If you've got Madison, hold tight. He's going to have some value because I think this is going to be a lingering ankle issue for Cook all season long. All right, the next game we'll go to is uh, the Broncos and the Steelers. And let's go to the Broncos first. Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick both came through. Teddy Bridgewater did play in this game, was cleared from the concussion. So pretty surprising there. The Steelers secondary continues to struggle. They can put pressure on quarterbacks, but... Still giving up a lot of numbers there all over the field, in, inside and outside, two wide receivers. So there's nothing to be intimidated by the Steelers' corners, especially with Cameron Sutton not playing, and he was not playing. So Cortland Sutton went off on a big play and scored. So a little bit off on the usage there for Sutton and Patrick. But again, Bridgewater playing helped and made this Broncos offense look stable. Now as for the Melvin Gordon-Javonta Williams split, it's really disappointing. When neither gets in the end zone... They split enough where neither is valuable there, even as a flex play. So, Because it's not like they're racking up catches in this offense when they have other, other intermediate options, including Noah Fant at tight end. So really they're running production dependent and touchdown dependent. So, yeah, that's going to be frustrating all year until 
one of the guys, uh, either Gordon, the veteran, or Williams, the rookie, steps out, and the other can get the bulk of the touches all around to have an impact. But right now, it's not looking good for Vic Fangio's backs to be reliable in fantasy week in and week out. But good uh, surprising development there with Sutton and Patrick with Bridgewater returning. Now, Steelers also got their best quarterback play of the season. They lost Juju Smith-Schuster potentially to a season-ending shoulder injury, so we'll monitor that. But Deontay Johnson scored a long touchdown early. Second straight week, he's done that. And Chase Claypool also got downfield as well for Ben Roethlisberger. So no James Washington in the game, so that also helped. Juju went down. Washington had a growing injury. He didn't play. So a lot about the two wideouts that were out there with uh, Claypool and Johnson. I just like to Ben Roethlisberger. He seemed the most comfortable he has been in the offense. What also really helped was the Steelers had their best traditional running game going. Good offensive line play, finally against a tough uh, Broncos front, and that to open things up in the entire offense. So if uh, Smith-Schuster's down and uh, it lingers for Washington, I mean, you lock in Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, kind of like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin as wide receiver twos with upside every week, and that's what you saw here. Both getting in the end zone, Claypool coming back strong from his injury. So, yeah, that, it helps a little bit when you eliminate a third option from that game and you have uh, better protection and Ben Roethlisberger, a little bit more focused here with his receivers. So we're not saying we're going to be excited to start Ben Roethlisberger. He's still a guy that uh, has to be in the right place, right time, the right matchup, but he definitely is facilitating Johnson and, and Claypool a little bit better. That's what we want to see. And how about Najee Harris? That line responded. He looked great running the ball. They're feeding him a lot. He's going to be main man in the running game. So it's a little bit easier when you can have a small core players. And now the Steelers have that for as long as Smith Schuster's on the shelf with Johnson, Claypool, and Harris here for Pittsburgh. And and keep it simple, sometimes that's what you have to do to win games. So that's what they did offensively here to get back on track at 2-3. and three. The next uh, game we'll talk about is the All-Florida affair between the Dolphins uh, and the Buccaneers in Tampa. Let's uh, save the best for last year. But Miles Gaskin, remember we thought Malcolm Brown, is he taking over this backfield? No. It was all about Gaskin in this game. They threw to him quite a bit as well. He scores there through the air. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, again, we said he's Mr. Checkdown. He's going to throw shorter passes. And what happened in this game is Devontae Parker, he's played with a shoulder injury. He was a surprise inactive in this game. So you didn't have Will Fuller. So then you had Preston Williams. But what happened was the offense flowed through Gaskin in the past game, a little bit of Mike Gusecki tight end. So kind of what we were going back to before the season, these co-offensive coordinators, uh, they were brought up as the running backs and tight ends coach, and that's what you saw. The running back and the tight end, Miles Gaskin and Mike Gusecki, MG and MG, getting the most looks here from uh, Jacoby Brissett here with no uh, Parker in the lineup. So Gaskin, again, in any game that they might need him as a receiver, and when they have receiving issues, Gaskin is going to be helped by that. But no sighting of all of Malcolm Brown here. So Dolphins are basically week-to-week, hot hand, matchup-to-matchup with who they go with running back. So we'll see. But that said, it's a great matchup this week in London for Gaskin. They're playing against the Jaguars. So good stuff there to stick with Gaskin. And Gusecki keeps producing with Jacoby Brissett, who was a very good streamer this week. A couple touchdowns there against his buck shot secondary. Now for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, the moral of the story is don't sit Tom Brady unless he's facing his former team, the Patriots. He's matchup proof. We saw that. The Dolphins' uh, pass defense was tough. Their run defense was weak, and the, the Bucks got that done also on the ground. I mean, Leonard Fournette 
dominated all around here. You had Gio Bernard out of the backfield score the first uh, receiving touchdown there for Brady. So it was just a total domination. Brady relentlessly throws the ball. Even when they're run, running fine, he goes into the fourth quarter. He's going to get the big plays. And the Dolphins really broke down there against uh, Antonio Brown and Mike Evans, giving up two touchdowns then. Each year, without Rob Gronkowski, it's going to flow a lot through the wide receivers, not Cameron Brake, because we know Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich still like to play 11 personnel, three wide wides, and that's what we saw in this matchup. We thought it was going to be more of a Godwin game, working in the middle of the field with Xavier Jones and, uh, or I should say, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones at the corners, but they didn't bother Brady at all. He's in the middle of the field, a lot of breakdowns in the Dolphins' coverage here, so massive game from Tom Brady, another five-touchdown performance here. Throws for more than 400 yards. First for him to have that combination. So great to see Brady in this offense uh, rebound pretty quickly. But yeah, Fournette looking good. He's been the main man getting the touches. Bernard, occasionally he's going to have a play like that to get in the end zone. But Evans and Brown, when they get the big plays easily, those guys are going to go off. When it's a little bit more challenging to get those plays, then you'll see a little bit more of Chris Godwin. The final game we'll talk about in this segment is the Saints-Washington football team. The Saints got their two stars that we thought were going to be important all season get going this one. Marquez Callaway has a couple scores. So one long Hail Mary touchdown from James Winston. Alvin Kamara used in the passing game again. So here's the developments that happened. No Michael Thomas, we know that. But they were a little bit less dependent on the tight end. They saw Marquez Callaway more as a number one and treated him that way. This is why we were excited about him when Callaway and Winston were excited and uh, connecting for big plays in the preseason. So Callaway emerging now the way he should have here before, but now settling in with James Winston. Winston looked pretty good. Alvin Kamara, you being used in the passing game. That's going to help any quarterback look good. And Taysom Hill went down with a concussion. He actually had to be carted off. So that was also going to help the production of Alvin Kamara because Hill can cut into it with his running work near the goal line there. But Kamara got that. He had a rushing performance to remember and a nice little... Uh, catch and run into the end zone that kind of uh, capped off the day and iced it for the Saints. So, yeah, let's keep the Saints' offense simple. When you get Callaway and Kamara going without Michael Thomas, that's where you want to go. Callaway has some wide receiver three appeal going forward here. And you have, uh, on the other side, uh, Washington, we knew it was going to be a little bit tough for Marsh, uh, for Terry McLaurin against Marshawn Lattimore, two Ohio State products. But Lattimore playing well through the hand injury and making it happen here. Antonio Gibson, however, if we were panicking about J.D. McKissick, you didn't have to do that here. Two touchdowns for Gibson here in this game. This Washington offense maybe is overwhelmed in this game. They've overachieved quite a bit here with Taylor Heineke. Heineke, no touchdown passes this one. It's getting hard with no Logan Thomas available. Curtis Samuel got hurt in this game. So it's pretty much down to McLaurin and Humphreys and a little bit of Gibson and, and McKissick to try to move the ball. The Gibson's, again, the only reliable guy every week. McLaurin is most weeks. I think he'll bounce back against the Chiefs this week. Good matchup for both Gibson and McLaurin. Heineke could also do some damage in that game as a streamer this week. So, again, typically this Washington offense in a groove, and they tried their best here. Gibson got them going, but the Saints just were too much for them and took them out of their element here with not enough firepower around Heineke beyond a bottled up Terry McLaurin. Alright, five more games we need to talk about here. On Roundup Monday, we're breaking down all the action we saw Week 5 Sunday from a fantasy football perspective. We'll get into those games uh, all the way through Monday night football uh, tonight. And we'll have the takeaways for that game tomorrow. We'll get through Sunday night on today's show. But i got to tell you, 
more about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. This week, check out the limited time flavor. It is cookie dough chunk. What is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Built Bar has nine delicious core flavors. And the occasional limited time flavor, like cookie dough chunk, when you talk to a Built Bar fan like me, we're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, you're missing out. It's all the bars you get from Built Bar, covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone. My favorite flavor, uh, I love the chocolate ones. I, I love really every flavor you get from Built Bar, but peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, two of my favorites. If you want to find out what your favorite flavor is, get a mix box where we can try two each of nine flavors there to check out. Not only are Brit Bar flavors the best tasting, they're healthy for you too. Most of the flavors have 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. A couple other flavors that are bumping up to 18 grams protein, 180 calories, just 5 grams sugar, and just 5 grams net carbs. Nine amazing core flavors, all tasty, all healthy. And always look out for those special flavors that you're going to enjoy as well this week, right now. It's cookie dough chunk. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, five more games to talk about. We'll break them down and get out of here on a Monday and get you prepped to work on that, to where we're targeting or wire for pickup Tuesday. Again, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Fantasy Football. We appreciate it. Make sure you're checking out all the other great shows on this network. Now we go into the late window, and the Browns and Chargers played in a wild dandy here, back and forth affair for fantasy football. If you've played anyone, an opponent with uh, any Charger key player in this game, especially Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, or Austin Eckler, it was brutal to watch. Herbert lit it up. He was on fire. Four passing touchdowns there through the air. He had one on the ground here, so really... Great performance by Justin Herbert against a pretty tough Browns defense, but that defense uh, didn't have Greg Newsom, the top rookie corner. He said Denzel Ward leave the game. You had Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa leave the game. He was been very active as a rookie linebacker. So your corners were pretty thin. You had uh, Ward Williams, their greedy Williams get hurt. So really opened things up for the Chargers downfield. The Browns had a lot of breakdowns, and voila, there was Herbert's big game. But Herbert just showed how talented he is relentless and effortless with that big arm. Just his frame is just fun to watch the way he plays football, aggressive and making the big play. So it was fun if you stuck with him. I still think he's a weekly play for the most part, unless there's a really compelling reason that you want to bench him for some, maybe someone else has an off-the-charts matchup at a really high level. But Herbert, you can't take out of your lineup here the way he's playing. Dealing against a team like the Browns like that was something to watch there. Mike Williams, massive game again. He had a quiet game last week, but rebounded two touchdowns there. Keenan Allen, pretty solid game. Not spectacular. When Williams is the X and he's getting the attention and making the big plays with ease on those deep shots, then you don't really need to get Allen involved as much. You also had Austin Eckler take care of the short to intermediate stuff. He was a very slow start for Eckler then. He just came on like a whirlwind. He scored three touchdowns there in the end. They used him. It was catch-up mode, back and forth. High-scoring affair. So Eckler looking good. Justin Herbert looking good. Williams fine. Allen awesome. So this tells you Joe Lombardi's offense, he needed the right players, right guys, and, uh, and that's really what's happened here for the Chargers uh, all around. And uh, great performance by them overall. 
there. Now, the Browns try to keep up. Baker Mayfield had his best game of the season easily. We know he's had the non-throwing shoulder injury that he's played with all season, but when you look at him, Baker was locked in, and it really helped that he goes to tight ends. When he's looking at the tight ends and the underneath guys and throwing to the backs, then we, that's when he's best. When he's fo- forcing the ball downfield, you know, Beckham Jr., it's not natural, then he gets thrown off and he's skittish and he starts making mistakes. So need to really focus on not really force-feeding the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ, we just can't trust. He's got to get, get out of Cleveland. This is just not working. Maybe he'll get traded again at the trade deadline, but I think the Browns, better off of their short-term immediate types. Jarvis Landry, these guys are going to catch reliably versus uh, taking those shots unless they're high percentage there deep off play action for the Browns. So good game for Baker. Great game again for Nick Chubb. Long 52-yard touchdown and part of his day. Kareem Hunt looked great again. So they're using these backs perfectly here without Landry leaning a lot on them. So what's up, Chubb, Chubb and Hunt are the centerpieces of the offense. And everyone else is an afterthought where it's Rashad Higgins who scored a touchdown or David Njoku or Austin Hooper or looking at uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's that kind of a kind of committee-type approach. When Baker's spreading it around and not force-feeding Odell, he's better. And I think the Browns realize that as well. And we saw the big, big game here playing off the running game. And almost outdoing uh, Herbert, but Herbert having the better uh, finish there to that game. Now let's stick in that late window and uh, go for our team from the NFC North. The Bears traveling to the Raiders. Story here for the Bears, Damian Williams looked great. He actually played less than half the snaps, but he ran well without uh, David Montgomery. They stuck with the running game. He also had the rookie Khalil Herbert looking pretty good. So good one-two punch there to make up for David Montgomery not being there. As for the passing game, they reigned in Justin Fields. Justin Fields is not running. They're not passing enough here to Darnell Mooney and Al Robinson to get their numbers up here. Tight end, they have Cole Komet, but they continue to throw to other people like uh, Jesper Horstead in this game. So I don't get it with this offense. It seems very dink and dunk, very conservative here. And that's not helping helping Robinson or Mooney at all. So really the Bears running backs are where it's at. I think Herbert could have a big role should Williams go down. I don't think Williams is going to go away. He's a super sub that knows his offense really well. And he played well against the Raiders there. This week. So they're playing the Packers, some opportunity to run the ball. I would say more of Damian Williams this week is startable. Herbert will have to see if they say anything about getting him involved here. So a couple of Herberts in this last window really balled out there for their respective teams. Now, let's look at the Raiders. Darren Waller has become really quiet here all of a sudden. He's still getting his at times, but teams are focusing on him. They're daring Derek Carr to beat them with other players. It's not quite happening because Brian Edwards is dropping passes. Henry Ruggs is not reliable. Hunter Renfro can only give you so much of a yardage gain per his catch. So, again, Waller needs to get going again. People are realizing you take out Waller, force uh, him to go elsewhere. That's uh, Derek Carr. He's going to struggle a little bit, and the Bears good formula there this week. But Waller will be fine. He's going to run to some of these matchups like this. They're tough. Denver's not too easy next week for sure, but uh, – I think Waller rebounds and gets it done. So don't panic yet about Waller as your high-priced tight end. All right. So that's one more game. Now we'll go with another combination of the desert and the Bay Area. It is the 49ers at the Cardinals. The Trey Lance started. We loved what he was doing running. Very frustrating, however, to see him denied of the end zone time and time again. Their only real score was the Debo Samuel rushing attempt here. So Debo... Gets in the end zone even with little help in the passing game from Trey Lance. Lance, they let him loose running, but 
They could have done a little bit more passing. They seemed a little bit out of sorts there, the San Francisco offense. So, yeah, pump the brakes on Trey Lance. We want to love him and Justin Fields so much, but their usage has been really poor as rookies here by their teams, not putting them in the great positions to succeed here. So, something to keep in mind. So, really disappointing there for Trey Lance's first start, considering all the hype and considering the matchup had some possibilities there against the Cardinals. Part of it is that the game script didn't go the way we thought. It wasn't a big Cardinals lead, and the 49ers were going after it. It was a tight game for most of the game. The 49ers defense overachieved, and uh, that's what we saw develop here. Unfortunately for the uh, Cardinals, uh, with the 49ers defense playing that way, not a lot of room for everyone to produce. Uh, Rondell Moore put together a pretty good game from scrimmage, and his uh, usage almost scored a touchdown. And then we had DeAndre Hopkins who did score a touchdown. He looked back to full strength and fully recovered from the ribs injury. So it's going to be Hopkins. It's kind of by committee, but they did lose Max Williams to an injury here, the tight end. So if you tried to roll him out there in this matchup, you were disappointed. But, yeah, so that might put more of an emphasis on using Rondell Moore, especially if they can't stretch the field as well with Christian Kirk here playing off Hopkins. So we'll see how that goes going forward. But, yeah, he's a cog. They want to get involved a lot more because he makes things happen when everything else is quiet. And that's what he did in this game to spark the offense here for Kyler Murray. All right. Let's move on to the Giants-Cowboys game here. And when we look at that, uh, Giants, the story is injuries. I mean, more people went down. Saquon Barkley had a low ankle sprain. He's going to miss some time, we think. Uh, he had to be ruled out of the game quickly. Daniel Jones knocked out of the game with a concussion. So we had Mike Glennon and Devontae Booker take over. I think you could still see some of Gary Brightwell, the rookie, get, get some touches here. Over, ahead of Devontae Booker, he's the veteran. But they did sign Booker there to... Intro Barkley, so we'll see how that plays out there. Uh, we don't have a lot of confidence in that combination, but again, it's a starter that's getting key touches. You have to pay attention there. Uh, running back, uh, Kadarius Tony really has benefited from this Giants injuries. He also lost Kenny Galladay to a new injury here in this game, a knee on top of the hip injury he had coming in, but you have Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, who knows whether they're going to come back from the hamstring injury, but Kadarius Tony trying to establish himself. And a lot of his damage came with Glennon, so he's quarterback kind of proof here. They're going forward. We'll see if he's suspension proof as he had that ugly altercation. It didn't look like the Giants were going to discipline him there. They need him out in the field to make some plays with their wide receiver group really, really thin right now with uh, the latest injury God a joining uh, Shepard and Slayton on the shelf. So they're going to have to throw more. Kevin Ingram maybe a tight end in this situation, but... Yeah, it was a dominant performance there by Tony. He just got open and showed why he belonged as a first-round pick in the draft. So he's the best injury replacement here. you got to look at Booker as well. We could, again, see Brightwell and maybe a little bit more committee you're playing Booker, so be wary of that. But you have to invest where you can get some running back help, and Booker looks like the man right now here for New York. For Dallas, I mean, what a performance. Everything gets going here. Ezekiel Elliott scores a couple touchdowns. Dak has a couple touchdown passes here. Gets one downfield to see Elam. Gets one to Amari Cooper. So looking good all around. Taking care of the wide receivers after people were complaining. They were quiet in fantasy football. He took care of both of them in the end zone this week. Uh, not as much from uh, Dalton Schultz in that uh, tight end spot. But Dak Prescott's feeling it. Ezekiel is feeling it. This offense is feeling it. This defense is feeling it. They had one interception by Trayvon Diggs. Another one was a pick six by Anthony Brown against Mike Glennon. So making big plays everywhere the Cowboys are. Just kudos here for Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott to get everything going. But it's a fun offense to watch. If you got a part of it, and now you can breathe easier, the wide receivers are involved again, 
you have to feel really good about the Cowboys' chances here in reality and fantasy to keep producing big time. It is the Patriots this week, so there's a little bit of concern that they could slow one aspect down, but Cowboys are so multiple and versatile right now with their offense in a groove since uh, nearly beating the Buccaneers in week one where, yeah, this is a legit all-around powerhouse team that we're going to look at. All right, the final game we'll talk about came on Sunday night, and the Bills shocked the Chiefs. They went into Kansas City, just took it to them from the get-go. 38-20 to was the final score. So the stories here are Josh Allen is Josh Allen. He's going to run. They got him running by design and think a little bit more this week because the Chiefs really struggle there at the second level. He got to them. He ran like a freight train past them. Big rushing night gets a touchdown there. Big passing night gets three touchdowns there. Two of them will go to Emmanuel Sanders, one to the tight end, Dawson Knox. So three straight games of Knox scoring. Sanders looking good here, playing off Stephon Diggs. So a little bit more diversification of the Bills passing game here with Josh Allen. That shows his evolution here. So we love it, uh, getting more guys involved, but not too many guys. So drop Cole Beasley and those type of players. Knox is here to stay as a a back-end tight end one for sure in the top 12 every week. You have... uh, Emmanuel Sanders, with all the attention on Diggs, Sanders is capable of making those big plays as well, and we're seeing that as he still can run really fast, and he, Allen really trusts him as well to make those big plays. So they're going to be around in the right matchups, and this was the right matchup here because the Chiefs, uh, between linebackers uh, and defensive backs, really struggled in coverage in the middle of the field. So they took advantage of that. Zach Moss had a pretty quiet day, didn't get in the end zone, but he was effective on a few passes there for Josh Allen, but yeah, when you get big plays, early easy scores there that we saw from Allen to Knox and Sanders twice, there's not a lot much else that you need to do to win the game. They also had a pick six in the game of Patrick Mahomes, so could have even been a bigger total, but yeah, you'll take that Josh Allen monster game whenever you get it, and now Sanders is in play as a wide receiver three, Knox as a borderline or just inside of a tight end one status here for the Bills. Finally, Let's uh, talk about the Chiefs here, and really brutal performance. They've been playing this two-deep look. The Bills didn't blitz, forced the Chiefs to be patient. They were not. They didn't stick with the running game enough. And to make matters worse, Clyde Edwards-Alaire goes down with an injury to his knee late. He had to be carted off the field, walked off in his own power to the locker room, but still very concerning there. Daryl Williams looks like the best next man up there. He's the guy most versed in this offense. I don't know if they'll trust Jarek McKinnon, that type of player, to get a lot of key touches now with uh, Edwards Lair presumably missing time. Darrell Williams would be the guy, much like Damian Williams, who's been very productive before in the system, and uh, definitely a plug-and-play player here as the Chiefs go to Washington and their struggling defense here this week. So handcuff your backs, handcuff your backs, handcuff your backs. If you don't do it in the draft before someone else does it, make sure you do it right uh, after and then uh, make sure that no one else beats you to those handcuffs because they're important. you got to speculate sometimes. We know there's a lot of attrition at running back and that's what's happened for the Chiefs. So Travis Kelsey was fine, got a touchdown, looked really good there. But uh, Tyreek Hill was contained. And that's going to happen in some of these games where they're really trying to protect against the deep ball and you have some guys that can do it and they pulled it off there in the game. So when Miko Hardman, again, is your leading receiver, that's not good for the Chiefs. They want Hill and Kelsey to be up there every single week as their primary weapons here. But that's basically what it came down to. The Bills were willing to get more people involved for the big plays. The Chiefs were more willing to give up those big plays. And the other side, Bills uh, really contained those big plays and put a lot of pressure on 
Mahomes to deliver and uh, again didn't get the numbers he needed here in this game. All right, that takes care of the 14 games and the most important takeaways there from each on both sides of the games from the Sunday action. Thanks for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Again, tomorrow we pick up Tuesday. We'll turn our attention to the Week 6 waiver wire players that you need to make claims in, whether it's with your free agent acquisition budget and spend what's left there, or setting a waiver priority there in leagues. that will got you covered there for Pick Up Tuesday waiver wire work. Now make your second listen to the Peacock and Williamson show for NFL. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. So as this show, this show has been Locked on Fantasy Football. This has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great rest of your Monday. Catch you Tuesday for Pick Up, Pick Me Up, waiver wire advice.